Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. a fellow Indiana baseball alum. That's right. I played baseball in Indiana. Hits two bombs. He's the anti-Indiana basketball player. He shows up in big moments. Good for Schwarby. What the hell is Jim Harbaugh talking about? I mean, we hype guys. We hype guys. We hype guys. And I got to tell you, Deion Sanders has control of his locker room, but you got to buckle up. You got to buckle up because Lenny Dykstra is coming on here at 930 and just buckle up. Don't at me starts right now. I tell you, I don't blame Jim Harbaugh for doing this. I really don't. Jim Harbaugh has come out and said that J.J. McCarthy is on track to be the greatest quarterback ever at Michigan. Now, let me explain this to you. We can go through some guys. Tom Brady will always be the greatest quarterback to ever come out of Michigan. I think we would all agree with that. Chad Henney was a really good quarterback at Michigan, then obviously became a folk hero, coming in, replacing, when hurt, Patrick Mahomes. Jim Harbaugh himself was damn good. I mean, Harbaugh was really good. And oh, by the way, back to Tom Brady, he was the MVP of the Rose Bowl back in the day when it was Michigan and Ohio State and the big two, little eight. Rick Leach was getting it done. Rick Leach was the man. Rick Leach became the real man. When? When everybody became the real man. They got their picture on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Rick Leach had the high white socks, and he was running the option. He's left-handed, so he was pitching. You know what I mean? I mean, he was down the field. He was playing, and then he ended up playing professional baseball with the Detroit Baseball Lions. So, hey, that's pretty good. And then, of course, the most overrated of them all, Denard Robinson. Get him out of here. He had one good game on national TV. So maybe he's right. Maybe Jim Harbaugh is right. But let me give you a broader picture here on why Jim Harbaugh is doing this. See, Jim Harbaugh, as the quarterback whisperer, needs a Heisman Trophy candidate at the quarterback position. Why? So he can sell it to the best quarterbacks. Look, you come here, you can win the Heisman Trophy. You come here, there isn't an award that you cannot receive. It's all here for you. And that's massive when it comes time to recruit the next big one. It's massive when it comes time to put it on the mantle. Now, the best thing they can do at Michigan is win a national championship. That's numero uno. But how do you get to a national championship? You get to a national championship by getting the best players and certainly by getting the best quarterback. And when your reputation is that of a quarterback, well, guess what? You go say this guy's on track, and then it bumps people, him, J.J. McCarthy, into the Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., I don't think Sanders' kid is involved anymore in the Heisman Trophy, but... 
I got to tell you, I like what Harbaugh's doing here. I do. Yes, I get it. He's gotten, he, he's gotten the monkey off his back. He beat Ohio State two times. That's the biggest deal that Harbaugh can do. And now it's swing the other way, and you all know this. Hey, look, Ryan Day, you can win all these games, but you best not go nada de trace against Jim Harbaugh over the last three years in Michigan. But then the next thing, the next thing is this. I want a Heisman Trophy winner. Now, let me ask you a question. You're watching all this. We are all college football fans. Who is your Heisman Trophy guy? See, I don't think that J.J. McCarthy's name even pops up. I know they say he's the most, what's the right word, uh, complete. I know they say that he is at the controls and he can make every throw and they don't need him to do this and all that. But you know what you need to do in the Heisman Trophy? I'll tell you what you need to do in the Heisman Trophy. You need to put up numbers. You need to put up big numbers, ladies and gentlemen. And when you put up big numbers in the biggest of games, then guess what happens? Then you get in that conversation. Let's be honest. You also got to have a moment. Michael Penix had a moment. Michael Penix Jr., the former Indiana quarterback. And by the way, by the way, it is just eating all of us up here at Indiana to watch our program be the worst. And I mean this. I mean this, the worst in NCAA Power 5 football. You cannot name another team, I don't think, I haven't researched this, but I guarantee it's true, that gave up 52 straight points. Now, why am I bringing up Indiana? Because you guys know that Michael Penix Jr. was at Indiana. And when Michael Penix Jr. was healthy, he beat Penn State. And when Michael Penix Jr. was healthy, he beat Michigan. Indiana doesn't beat Michigan. Beat them in 2020, first time since 1987. Yeah, I said it. 1987 on a cold, rainy night, afternoon in tonight. Musco lights were all the rage as my mom, my brother, my sister, and I got on the field and celebrated Anthony Thompson and the fellas getting a big win. So now we got to see Michael Penix do it for another team. And it drives you nuts when your team, Indiana, is so bad. All right, so Penix has his Heisman moment. Penix goes out and gets it done in the biggest game on the biggest stage, which is weird because it was Oregon, but he got it done. Bo Nix did not, although Bo Nix didn't get out of the conversation because of his performance. There was a time when Shadur Sanders was going to be involved in this conversation, but how can you really? I mean, let's be honest. They just dropped a 29-point lead at halftime, and this clown, yeah, I'm calling him a clown for this. I like the kid. I like the program. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. But this guy, literally, listen to this. He's sending out ads for Sanders merchandise at halftime, apparently from the locker room, when they're up 28-zip against Stanford. Now, I want you to think about that. But that's the level of Indiana basketball's Cooper Cup or whatever the guy's name is. That's the level of Trace Davis Jackson, the senior third, whatever the hell his name is. That's the level of Trey Galloway, who's a vibe, by the way. That's Indiana basketball crap. That's not winning football game stuff, but that's what they did. That's what he did. So he's out. Get him out. And I don't see a running back. I don't see anybody else other than those two. Now, Bo Nix is a 20-year senior. He's been a senior in college since I was in college. I believe that I played against both his dad 
and against Bo, whose dad's name was Bo. In fact, when I saw the name Bo Nix at Auburn a few years ago, I go, hey, that's the guy. He's still playing. Well, it turned out his dad and his dad was older than me. I had a senior moment. Leave me alone. I can have senior moments. But anyway, I'm looking at what's going on here with Harbaugh, and I think smart. I think really smart. Fast forward, Chris, or excuse me, Thanksgiving week, you're going to see, and the opportunity will be there for J.J. McCarthy to play against the Ohio State University and have a chance to win the Heisman and have a chance to solidify himself as a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. Now, Caleb Williams, you're not in the mix anymore. Word came out that Caleb Williams, well, he wanted, listen to this, he told every prospective agent that he's talking to, he and his daddy, we want partial ownership in the team. Dude just threw three picks against Notre Dame on the biggest stage that he'll have. And I want to own the team. i tell you what, you want to own the team? Put up a bunch of money. Yeah, I'll tell you what, play for free. We'll take your contract, and you got to add about $30 million more, and we'll put you as a minority owner. I would take that if I were Caleb Williams. But that's how ridiculous this stuff has gotten. It really is. It's how ridiculous everything has gotten. But Caleb Williams, you and your three interceptions, and you looked horrible. I mean, seriously, just got awful. Nothing I can do with you after that game. We can try to piece it together. We can try to act. But J.J. McCarthy will have a chance, ladies and gentlemen, to be crowned as the greatest quarterback ever to play at Michigan on one Saturday at noon game against Ohio State. Because the Big Ten is so weak, so ridiculous, so awful, that from now until that game, nothing else matters. Period. You say it does. It don't. I guess Ohio State and Penn State, I guess. I haven't looked at their schedule. I'm sure they play Penn State at some point. That'll be a big game. That's one big game out of 12. Come on, football. Do better. Speaking, speaking of Deion Sanders, listen to this. So Deion Sanders just crushed his team. Deion Sanders said, I talked to them about the old cliche people say. It's zero to zero, but it's not true. It's not zero to zero. It's 29 to nothing. I felt complacency going into the half because we stalled offensively, gave up some yardage as well, and I just didn't like how it felt going in at halftime. All right? That's what Deion said. Now, this shows me Deion Sanders is a coach. He's not a face guy. He's not a CEO type. He's a coach. I used to tell players this. Look, you're a big at half. I want you to think about how you would come out if you were down big at half. How would you come out? You'd come out desperate. You'd come out pressing. You'd come out aggressive if you have pride. We were up my second game as the head coach at Indiana, fairly big at halftime against Ohio State. Now, Ohio State only had three pros, and they were good pros. Our pros stink. D.J. White, Jordan Crawford, Eric Gordon, I pros stunk. But their pros were pretty good. Evan Turner was pretty good. Costa Cucas was pretty good. I think they had another one. Maybe I'm lying. I don't know. But anyway, I said in half, look, fellas, you're up. But they're going to come out. And sure enough, they did. I mean, our little drug-addled maniacs, they couldn't handle playing uh, 40 minutes. But we ended up getting the win because of superior coaching. That's all I can tell you. 
But that's what you do with a team. It's not zero to zero. You tell them, look, if you have pride, and Stanford's got smart kids with pride, and you are down 29 to nothing, the only people that would fold up shop would be Indiana basketball players against Miami or against St. Mary's. 90% of other teams are going to come out harder and tougher. And that's something a coach can't control. Now, here's the other thing. I've told this story many times. We're playing Akron. We're the best team in the MAC. They're like the third best team. We're up 21 at halftime, and I'm crapping myself at halftime. And my coach is like, Coach, you all right? I go, no. It's a fake 21-point lead. They go, what are you talking about? I said, we hit three threes at the shot clock buzzer. They missed four wide-open threes. I'm like, this is a fake lead. We got them. Hey, and I, and I told them, I told the team, this is the deal. We made, hey, Brandon, you made two falling back threes over people. I can still see them from the top of the key at the shot clock buzzer. And they had this fat kid named Faulkner who kept missing it. I knew he could shoot because he came back to beat us later on in the year. Anyway, our guys took that to heart. We were up 35 in the second half, and I literally turned to Christy Contras, who, who, uh, who owned this restaurant called Trotters, and I said, hey, during the game, I said, could you get me a reservation from eight for eight? I got friends in town. I mean, you know, the game was over a couple minutes, five minutes to go, and I saw Christy. Sure enough, we had reservations for eight. But when you're up this big, I, Deion Sanders is a coach because there's a lot of coaches that don't understand what Deion Sanders did. Hey, man, it's slowing down. We gave up yardage. We seem complacent. Boom. Wow. All right, we came back out, and here goes complacency. Here comes that team that I can't stand, that you can't stand. You can't understand how in the world that happens to us, but it did. No, it happens to every team, particularly one in your first year. Deion Sanders learned a valuable lesson there. Every coach knows. We came back one time. I want you to think about this. We were down 14 with a minute 14 to go. It was either 13 with a minute 14 or 14 with 14. We took a one-point lead. Only had four guys on the court because everybody got fouled out, and they hit a half-court shot. Let me tell you something. We were up eight at Indiana under a minute to go, did not miss a foul shot, and lost in overtime against Minnesota. Uh, Every coach has these things. Every coach has these games. That's why when you're sitting there – and a team's up 13 with, uh, I don't know, two minutes to go, and the crowd starts chanting for the walk-on, as a coach, you're like, hey, man, they can chant all they want, but your ass ain't getting in until I feel good. And it certainly isn't with two minutes to go and a 13-point lead. But Deion Sanders is a coach. He's not just a face guy. Anybody that thinks he is is nuts. Now, let me go to the point here. Deion Sanders got a little bit of criticism. A Stanford player did not hold back about Deion Sanders and the way he's gone about his team. He said they're mercenaries. What? A few thoughts on last night. Good always wins out, meaning Stanford's good, Colorado's bad. Yeah, I got you right here. No matter how bleak it looks, when Coach Taylor got hired, he told everyone to stay and believe. Coach Prime told everyone to leave. We are program builders. They are mercenaries. I believe in Stanford football. You should too. Well, okay, but every situation's different. I mean, let's be honest. Every situation's different. Sanders walks in, and he knows he's got a bunch of dudes that have been living the cool lifestyle. 
They aren't real football players. They weren't really a football program built on toughness, and Sanders isn't happening. This kid, as kids do now, because they have little platforms, this kid feels like he's entitled to talk. He's not entitled to talk. He should shut the hell up, this kid. You had a nice win. You had a big win. Yay, rah. Go fight win. But the truth of the matter is, there ain't nothing there about being mercenaries or program builders or our coach said to stay and your coach said to you. I got two words for you. <laughs> Sanders is building the team the way he thinks it should be built. Coach Taylor is building the team at Stanford the way he thinks it should be built. And so is every other program across the country. You can say they do this wrong. They do, of course, there is no perfect team, although in college football teams do win out. But it's ridiculous for some player. I know you want, and I've told you this before, you win, you get happy. You win, you get ecstatic. You win, you're on top of the world, and you say things. That's why I'm never really that critical of people when they win, because, man, when you won, huh, huh, <laughs> you got to be really careful. I'm telling a lot of stories about myself today. We beat Ohio State, national TV game, Super Tuesday, and I'm walking over, and there's Eric Andrews' smug ass waiting to interview me, and I'm like, man, I would just like to rip everybody. There was a lot of people that were on my ass uh, when I got the job, and I just want to say, go well, I didn't. I was cool. I was calm. I was collected. But sometimes, sometimes when you win, man, you just got to aim high and let her fly. You do. You just got to let it be known. And this kid got him a win. This kid got himself a mouth. This kid had a forum, obviously, a platform, and he used it. But make no mistake. Make no mistake. Uh-uh. None. Zip. Zero. The guy doing the coaching is building the team the best way he can. And I guarantee you Deion Sanders walked into that locker room and said not one of these clowns should even be playing college football. Not one of these clowns should even be here if I want to win a championship. Not one. Zero zip. And whoever stayed is lucky that they stayed. Lucky that they were able to stay. Lucky. Very, very, very lucky to get to play for Deion Sanders, period, period. And somebody at another team should just shut the living hell up, period. All right, last night in baseball, last night in baseball, Kyle Schwarber did things that Kyle Schwarber does. He showed up in the postseason. Now, you got to understand a couple things about Kyle Schwarber. When he was drafted out of Indiana, now understand this. This dude, Kyle Schwarber, has been winning his whole life. Kyle Schwarber was a dynamite linebacker at Middletown High School, one of the great football basketball programs in the state of Ohio. Now, the town's gone a little bit south, some business left, but this is the town that produced the Carters. Remember the Carters? Butch Carter at Indiana, Chris Carter. They produced the Carters. They produced Jerry Lucas. Now it's Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber won as a football player. Kyle Schwarber went to Indiana and, oh, by the way, took Indiana to the College World Series. 
the first Big Ten team to do that since 1984 when Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo, Casey Close, a big fat dude at first base named Hayward, Byron, Brian, or uh, 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 Larkin, whatever his name is. What the hell is Larkin's name? Bruce, Barry, I don't know, whatever. I played against him, Barry Larkin. Since they went to the College World Series. True story, first time. Maybe I said Larkin to begin. Uh, senior moment. Anyway, Kyle Schwarber is the anti-Indiana basketball player. He's the opposite. Indiana basketball players promote themselves. We just had some guy, Liam something. You ever heard a good player named Liam? Like Liam Neeson is a pretty good actor. Any others? I'm sure Liam is some guy sitting in an Irish pub having a beer, and he's great. But Indiana players, they have to pub themselves. We're having another goof that's going to have his hats and all that stuff. Some guy named Fluby or Flomey do it on Friday. Schwarber, uh uh-uh. No pub for Schwarby. No. Schwarby showed up in Indiana under Tracy Smith. Couple other guys, really good. Guy named Travis played for the Red Sox. Guy named Dickinson played for the uh, Giants. And next thing you know, Schwarby made Indiana baseball cool. Schwarby was hitting bombs. The fellas were cool on campus. They were the anti-IU basketball players who at the time were acting like jackasses all across campus. You couldn't give a prediction on Indiana basketball until after Halloween when Hannah Perea might get drunk and fall off a car or Devin Davis or whatever the hell his name is might get hit by a teammate's car as everyone's getting drunk. Schwarby was just on campus hitting Babe Ruthie and bombs. Then he goes to Wrigley. As the next Babe Ruth, that's what they actually said when they drafted him in the top 10 in the Major League Baseball draft. They said, hey, this guy, hate to say it, reminds us of Babe freaking Ruth. And you know what? He started out hitting about 420. And guess what? I said at the time, look, This guy is going to hit bombs. He's going to be a 200 hitter, but he's going to hit bombs, and he's going to do it in the clutch. Fast forward. What does Schwarby do? Schwarby's hitting bombs. Schwarby hits one over everything in Wrigley in the playoffs. Schwarby comes back, and guess what he does? He hits home runs in the World Series after being out with an injury. Big-time player who loves big-time moments. Again, the antithesis of Indiana basketball, whose first-round draft choice, or I guess second-round draft choice, Jackson Davis, and first-round draft choice, JHS, or whatever the hell, Jalen Shapino, or whatever the hell his name is, flat-out quit in the NCAA tournament, shrink in the big moment. Not Schwarby. What does Schwarby do? He just hits two freaking bombs. And when I say bombs, I mean bombs. Kyle Schwarber swore bombs. Like, if you go to, oh, I don't know, Kilroy's. I'm going to be at Nick's on Friday having lunch with my daughter. We may go over to Kilroy's across the street, spin the shot wheel, and see if they got a Schwarb bomb on there. Because Schwarby's hitting bombs in the playoffs. Why do you think Schwarby's always in the playoffs? Why do you think Trey Turner is always in the playoffs? Now that Bryce Harper isn't a Jag, why do you think he's always in the playoffs? There are just some dudes that always show up in the playoffs, and Schwarber's one of them. Honest to God, anything else doesn't matter. You can tell me how great everybody is. You can pub yourself. Where's Juan Soto? 
Juan Soto, when he was a kid, was my favorite player. He came up with the Nationals. He was hitting bombs. He was doing, he was the toughest out. Next thing you know, guess what? Guess what? His brain exploded. He became a dude. Juan Soto and Machado and that drug doing Tatis, no, not allegedly, he got suspended. Didn't even make the playoffs, and now they got to answer, is their egos too big? Give me a guy like Schwarby. Give me Trey Turner, who got booed early in the year. That third baseman, Bob, that third baseman who made an unbelievable Brooks Robinson-type play yesterday, on his knees, throwing a guy out at first, got booed because he said, this play sucks a few years ago. All is forgiven in Philly. See, in Indianapolis, you got to understand where I live. In Indy here, what do we do? We celebrate, oh, I don't know, the coach Frank Reich taking a knee. Chris Ballard, the GM, crying about white people. All the while, Chris Ballard in his seventh year going on his eighth starting quarterback. Yeah, I said it. Eighth starting quarterback. A player gets kicked out of the league for uh, gambling. Another player, Grover Stewart, just got kicked out six games for freaking PEDs. Indiana and the Colts, we're the anti-Phillies. We celebrate stupid shit. We celebrate nothing. We celebrate relationships. We celebrate cap space. We celebrate crap. And all the while, Phillies fans don't tolerate nothing. But when you win, I don't know if you saw it yesterday or you saw it earlier, but damn, does that look like a lot of fun to be in those stands, particularly down the right and left field line when Schwarber hits a bomb or, in fact, when Schwarber even comes up. It's electric. It's mania. Now back to us in Indiana waiting on some 18-year-old to wear these candy stripes. Yeah, that's what we're waiting on. Yeah, Floggy Flugamingo. Is he get his candy stripes? And our other guy, Liam, has has a big press conference for himself to put on his hat. How about being Schwarber, Indiana basketball? How about being understated and over-delivered? Jeez, I got a headache. And if that's too much Indiana for you, I know my audience. Leave me the Sam Hell alone. Damn. I'm supposed to talk about Tyreek Hill. Uh, Tyreek Hill could care less about the NFL finding him. Tyreek Hill just wants to have fun. He's like that song, girls just want to have fun. He does backflips. I agree with this. This is from our crack staff. I think, and I agree, I think that Tyreek Hill should be in the damn conversation for MVP. I know the NFL is going to find me for it, talking about his backflip, but it's worth it. To be able to create memories, I can look back and when I'm done is something I think of every time I play this game. Every time I step on this field, I'm going to try to make it memorable. Now that I can get down with. Now that I can get behind. You go to a game, Tyreek Hill scores a touchdown. All right? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? You're looking for Tyreek Hill to do a backflip because it's different. It's cool. Every time Tyreek Hill is on the field and the quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, drops back and he hits Tyreek Hill, you sit up. You go, hey, look at this. How about us? 
Take it to the house, baby. Take it to the river. I'm on one today. I'm very fired up today. We need more people watching this show. Get out there, share it, like it. This show is too good to have as little engagement as we have, and I ain't happy about it. YouTube, figure it out. Quit banning us. Quit taking our likes away. Get off your ass. This is the best show in the history of the world. Anyway, Tyreek Hill. He brings energy and electricity to every single game he plays in. Look, I'm fat. I'm old. I'm bald. You know, the little bleeders, and you can figure out why I call young people bleeders. You figure out what bleeds. The little bleeders call me a boomer. Good for them. I don't even know what that means. I know I'm the coolest man in the history of the world. And even I, I, ladies and gentlemen, like Tyreek Hill. Now, they're comparing him to Ocho Cinco. Ocho Cinco was a fraud. Ocho Cinco had nothing. Ocho Cinco, my ass. Ocho Cinco is one of those guys that is still trying to hang around and be relevant. He never won nothing. Tyreek Hill has won Super Bowls. Tyreek Hill has been the best receiver on Super Bowl winning teams. True story. Ocho Cinco started his own news network while he was playing, and then he went away, and now we got to listen to him. Ocho Cinco, I got two words for him. My ass. That's right. I'll say it again. My ass. Ocho Cinco got nothing. Tyreek Hill got rings. See, I'm all about the ring. I've had enough. I don't care anymore who graduates if you're a college team. I don't care anymore about any. Just everybody go be Calvin Sampson. Just cheat your ass off in college, win championships, and everybody go out. If you haven't won nothing, I don't want to hear it. I don't. Look, what can I tell you? I just simply don't. You start giving me gas when people start comparing guys that have won Super Bowls to guys that were figment of media imagination. Seriously. You also give me gas when I got to see Marshawn Lynch doing commercials. How many drunken crashes can this idiot have and still get out there and do commercials? How much of a human trafficker, allegedly, uh, well, if you're a pimp, it's apparently not human trafficking if it's Snoop Dogg. How much do we got to watch these clowns? I'm a moralist, damn it. I want everybody to be perfect, except, of course, me. And I, ladies and gentlemen, well, I'm not perfect. I don't even try uh, to be perfect. But I got to tell you, I've had enough. Every commercial I see, honest to God, there he is. There he is. Holy cow. Snoop Dogg. And I'm thinking to myself, you're a pimp. You bragged about being a pimp. That's human trafficking. That's abusing women. But Snoop Dogg's right there. Then I see Skittles guy. That dude gets so hammered. Look at the pictures. Look at the pictures of the car this idiot crashes. You're telling me we can't find better people to advertise product, national product, than a sex trafficker who abused women? Look, if you're a sex trafficker and you're a pimp and you're putting them into situations for money, kind of abusive at least in my opinion, and then the other guy. The other guy can't drink and drive enough, and yet we get to watch him in commercials. Well, you're just jealous. Oh, stop it. Stop it. This is the anti-woke channel. 
This is the where we tell you what's real channel. This is the where we don't back down because you're going to tell me, well, you're racist, man. There's two black guys you're talking about. Yeah, shut up. We treat everybody based on their character, not the color of their skin. We live in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King. We do. We live in those worlds, these words. We do. We do. Don't at me. All right, the anti-Schwarber, listen to this. So there's some guy named Trevor May. So Trevor May leaves the Oakland A's, and we're supposed to care about Trevor May. Trevor May blasts the A's owner as a greedy, that's right, a greedy. Now, here's what you got to understand. He is greedy. Every owner's greedy. What can I tell you? Hey, Trevor May. How about you play better? Like, every guy that plays for the Oakland A's was given an opportunity. Every guy. You get an opportunity to play in the big leagues. That's what you got. You got an opportunity. All right? Okay. How'd you do? I mean, how'd you do? I, I, I don't know. So let's see. Trevor May. Trevor May says, sell the team, dude. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own, own something. There's actually people who give up about the game. Let them do it. If you're going to be a greedy, own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all the power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. Aw, look at Trevor. Trevor not happy. Trevor's career record in nine years is 36 and 28. Trevor went four and four this year. Pitched all right. Good for him. He's been there one year. How about you play better? I mean, look, here's the way I look at it. You know, I take full responsibility for a bad senior year at Indiana. You know, nowadays people would blame the coach. Well, not at Indiana. Well, yeah, at Indiana. We never blamed the players, but we were the ones playing. I take full responsibility for beating Michael Jordan's ass the year before. I didn't see Bob Knight's fat ass out there playing. I didn't see any of the dingbat assistant coaches we had out there playing. Same thing with the next year. It goes bad. It's on the players. Period. What can I tell you? So I don't want to hear from players yelling at owners. That organization paid you millions or hundreds of thousands. That organization gave you a chance to be in the big leagues. Yeah, ownership stinks. Yeah, the team stinks. But who's playing? I don't see the owner's billionaire ass out there running the first. I see you. I see the players out there. What, you're not good enough? Maybe you shouldn't be in the big leagues. What, you didn't have a nice spread? What, it cost you a dollar for Coke, soda, whatever? Shut up. Seriously. Just shut the living hell up, hell up. What do they say? There's all kinds of different sayings about overcoming your circumstance. There's all kinds of things that coaches and teachers and people put on their wall about it's not your circumstance. It's the ability to overcome your circumstance. I don't Don't complain about your circumstance. Change your circumstance. Yeah, okay. But honest to God, that's why when people bitch at me about being the head coach at Indiana basketball in 2008, And they're like, you ruined the team? I go, hey, I didn't shoot seven for 51 like Eric Gordon did. 
I couldn't, you know, it wasn't me that didn't pass a drug test like Jamarcus Ellis could. It wasn't me that allegedly, allegedly now, although, you know, uh, pulled a gun on a teammate after we beat Minnesota. Hey, I didn't do that. That's players. Same thing I said as a player. Same thing. I didn't see Knight's fat ass out there in the stands trying to guard Michael Jordan. Same thing I said as a coach. Hey, look, Brandon Parton was a great player for me. He was great, but it wasn't really for me. It was because he loved to play basketball, and whoever next was in his way, chances are he was going to beat him. Same with Anthony Stacy, Lenny Mattella, Brent Clayson, Keith McLeod. I mean, I didn't play. I just yelled and screamed, pushed, pulled, and prodded. But when the lights came on and the game came on, the players played. And look, you want to bitch at me? Fine. Or you want to bitch at somebody? Fine. You want to bitch at an owner? Fine. But last I looked, the players are the ones playing. Seems like to me, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I had some guy yell at me, in 35 years of coaching, I've never blamed the players. The dude coached little girls soccer in high school. I would hope not. I would hope you wouldn't blame, you know, some 15-year-old girl goalie for giving up a goal. But when you got drug-addled clowns that are being paid to play basketball at Indiana, I mean, what the hell you want me to tell you? If I shot seven for 51 from three my last seven games like Eric Gordon did, I'd take blame for it. I'd say, hey, coach put me in a position. So this guy needs to shut the living hell up. This guy needs to understand, hey, look, we play Trevor May, who apparently retired. You're the player. It's like I asked Fuzzy Zeller about the importance of caddies. He basically laughed at me. He said, I've never seen a caddy make a putt to win a tournament. I've never seen a caddy hit a wedge to two feet in the middle of the U.S. Open. Shut up, show up, keep up. Actually, it's show up, keep up, shut up. That's kind of the order. you got to show up first. Players play, man. And when they start complaining about the manager or they start complaining about the ownership, or they start complaining about whatever it is, I got no patience for it. I know you all do, but I got no patience for it. Hey, I'm sure the manager Thompson of the Phillies is doing great things, but I didn't see his ass out there hitting two bombs yesterday. I saw Schwarber, period, and that's pretty damn good. By the way, last thing, back to the Colts. Uh, We're in year seven here. We got (laughs) <laughs> Grover Stewart, our best lineman, taking PEDs. We got Isaiah Rogers, who is going to be our only experienced corner, kicked out for gambling. We got an idiotic play call, a naked bootleg with a guy that people are slamming into the turf. So our quarterback's out for the year. We're now in our eighth starting quarterback with this clown as a general manager. Our fifth head coach, we got a horse bleep team. Now, you Indianapolis fans, I know you miss me on the radio. I know you do. But, damn, that's the bottom line. So, don't tell me about relationship-based stuff. Don't tell me about anything other than winning. We got relationships. Yeah, you do? All right. Okay. Nice. Uh, Let me look. Uh, Your corner's out for the year for uh, gambling, your best tackle's out because he uh, took PEDs. 
And every swing, and you know what, can march right into, right into the GM's office, including the long snapper, and get an extension. Oh, it's a My eyes are burning here. Oh, Lenny Dykstra next. Buckle the hell up. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At Outkick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at outkick.com slash bet. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, save $30 on the American-made Steel FS56 RCE Trimmer. Real Steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Three-time All-Star, couple-time world champion, Phillies, and, of course, with the 86 New York Mets, the great Lenny Dykstra joins us. Lenny, I got to ask you before we get started, you have an irrational crush on Robin from the uh, <laughs> Howard Stern show. Is that legit? Yeah. I mean, you said the yeah, baby. Let me hear about it. I mean, it. come on. I mean, is that legit? What do you think? I mean, it's about as legit as me. Me playing center field for the Yankees next year. I think you could play center field for the Yankees next year. Hey, I got to ask you, could Bryce Harper, maybe Nola, maybe Bryson Stott, could they have played on your 86 team? Harper looks a little crazy. He could have probably yeah. fit in with the 86 Mets. You're right, but, but more more than 93 Phillies, though. See, the, the, the 93 Phillies made the 86 Mets look like school children. I mean, you have no idea. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing about Philadelphia, see, the, the fans there, I mean, look, I was very fortunate to play in the two best sports in, in the country. Okay? I mean, you have to have a certain mentality to play in them cities, but but the fans are, are like, they, they know what's going on. You get a guy over from second with nobody else, they'll clap. You know, Dodger Stadium playoffs, doesn't matter, seventh inning, they're all gone, you know? I mean, it's, um, you know, I live out here, so you know, I'm in L.A., La La Land, Land of the Great Pretenders, you know? Hey, where, the 96 Phillies had guys like Darren Dalton. 93. You, know, you had some crew. Not, wait a second. You said 96 Phillies or 93 no, 93. Phillies. 93. Oh, nine, 93 Phillies. Hey, let, yeah, let yeah. me go back to Harper. How difficult is it in a city like Philadelphia? Trey Turner came over. People were on his ass. He, he turned it around. How difficult uh, is it for a guy like Harper? Because he's turned this whole thing around. Yeah, he has, and, and Dan, you're right on point. And the thing about it is, 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 is Harper has also brought like a new kind of excitement that Philadelphia was missing. But that being said, I mean, you know, the the biggest key for Philadelphia that people really haven't talked about is Rob Thompson, okay, the manager. So, so a manager in the big leagues isn't so much about making moves and getting, it's it's getting your players that want to play for you, okay, motivating your players. And, and so, you know, when I played against him, when he was with Frisco, I always kind of knew he was going to be a, a baseball guy. And so he turns out in Philadelphia. And, and um, again, the, the Phillies, 
I think they're going to win the World Series this year. I mean, they have the momentum and 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 you know, um, just like Texas is going to is going to take take on you know. So I I think the Phillies are going to win this year. That's that's my opinion. I'm going to give you three names. You tell me who is the craziest: Lenny Dykstra, John Cruck, Darren Dalton, or let's see here, Mitch Williams. Well, the crazy. I mean, I, I mean, I was kind of. Smart, crazy, like, um, um, but John Cruck was the biggest um, Academy Award winner ever. I mean, I, I locked her next to him for for six years, and 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 I mean, you talk about a just a, a pig pen, man. I mean, and, and but but this guy, I'm telling you, he he was a, he was a very good actor, man. Like he he played you know he he played that role like like you know hillbilly like that. He was a very good athlete. And he got more broken bat, you know, hits than, than anyone. Ever. And he just—he's just—he's actually a good athlete. And, and, and again, he's carried that over into the, in, you know, announcing or whatever he's been doing. So, but but Crack Crack was um, um and then Dalton was a just a just a warrior. Okay, I mean, and then Mitch Williams, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just gonna call it out like it is. He's, he's a box of rocks. Okay, I mean, like, I mean, like, period. I don't think you know how the game works. Hey, Lenny, uh, I want to go back to something. You mentioned, you know, your two teams, 86 and then 93 with the Phillies that were crazy. How difficult would it be just to live a normal life on teams like that if the cameras and Twitter and all that stuff was around during those two teams' years? Well, that's a, that's a great point. And see, see the, the smartphones have, have been the the have been the beginning of the end for a lot of a lot of people and and then like and they're, they're, I mean, literally going like, so, you know, what happened when I was playing, I mean, look, I'm not con- con- condoning this, but players, there's a certain amount of players that on a team that, you know, have, you know, women on the road, you know? So what I did to help the players so they keep the family together, because that was your caught. So I opened up a real estate fund. It was really so they could tell their wife they invested in real estate. And so they didn't have to use a credit card. See, so I'm 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 a team player. I saved I saved marriages, many of them. Now that's ahead of the curve, right? Yeah. You you saved marriages by doing what? Open up a real okay, estate so, place. So, so check it out. So players, again, I don't condone this, okay? But some players are human, and like six on a team are going to have you know affair or whatever you know, on the road. So, so, but they always get caught because they use their credit card, they use that, they use that. So what I did is I had the lawyers draw up an investment, which is a real estate fund, which is really your, your lady fund. So that way you can pull out of there and they don't get caught. Okay. And so I didn't say, I didn't tell them to go after the women. I just say, like I said, look, you gotta, you gotta get ahead of the curve. Okay. You, you can't get, it's too late once you get caught. Okay, so so like the bottom line is the best thing to do is don't do anything. But if you're gonna go cheat or do whatever you're gonna do, you know, you know, just remember, you know, do one thing: you do it right or you don't do it. Okay, so again, that's another thing I did for my team. You know, and one other thing I got the Phillies back. You gotta know about this: is is I got the Phillies back all thirty million dollars that they paid me um, when I retired because so you know they they got Lloyd's of London. Um, 
when they used to insure the guys, every part of my body was uninsurable. I had 10 surgeries, except my back. So I retired with, with you know, back surgery. And before I went there and I retired, you know, brass comes up to me and says, hey, you know, you had your back surgery. I said, I got you. I got you. So I got him, I got him to the World Series and I, and I got him their money back. Can't beat that, right? No. No, and you know that that real estate fund that that helped your team because I'm I never you know played professional baseball, but I gotta believe if a dude all of a sudden gets caught in the middle of the season, that's gonna hurt his performance, right? No one's condoning it. We're just talking here. Absolutely, and listen, let me tell you something else. Um, these are little things off that the, the, the public doesn't know about, and so like having a good partner or wife is very very important because. It carries over to the field. It's just natural. And so, like, I mean, I, I had a, a great wife, okay? And I, I mean, look, I loved her, but I really married her for, for, for just like, say, on, so when we get home, I'd stay with my family and not, because you can't burn the candle on both ends, okay? But, but she was so great that, that, that I ended up giving her my whole pension, okay? Now, could I use $10,000 a month every month without fail? Yeah, I could. But you know what? It wasn't her that caused the problems. Or, you know, what I'm trying to say is we all know my flaws are human, okay? I admit that. But, but okay, so, so, but, but you know when you're rich and when you're playing and you're making a lot of money, these guys, and, and you buy all these things and you get that feeling, it feels good, but not the same feeling. Like, when I, but when I gave her that pension, it was the right thing to do, and it's a different kind of like um, feel, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels good to give, man. It feels better to give than it does to receive, particularly when you know maybe you wrong somebody and you're making no, a little no. bit of an amends there. That's that's right. That's right. Hey, uh, Philly's going to win the World Series. Yeah, Who they else are. You like? Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Are you surprised by Houston being down two zip or O two against uh, the Rangers? Yeah, I am. And see, that's what that, that's what can happen in, in the playoffs. You know, I mean, you kind of catch lightning in the ball. You know what? You know what's kind of crazy is both teams. If, if, if Texas, it looks like Texas is going to go. Where both of them are nineteen seventy two. They're they like, season records during the season. Um, so so it's interesting. But I, I do think Philly's going to win the World Series. They just have a lot of momentum and. And, and, and again, they came out of nowhere last year and, and, and you know, jumped into the scene. And this year, it's kind of fallen into place, you know. Hey, Lenny, I'll let you go, man. I appreciate you coming on, my friend. Thanks. Hope you'll come back. Hey, thanks for having me, okay? And, 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 and good luck to you. Thank you so much. You too. That's the great Lenny Dykstra at Nails, man. I remember watching him play in Wrigley when I was there in 86. And then, of course, with the Phillies, he's a great, great baseball player and really, really a, a guy that a lot of kids wanted to be and should. I mean, look, everybody's got their flaws as human beings. I don't want to hear about it. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Lenny Dykstra is a great dude, and it would be in interesting. It would be absolutely interesting to see how guys like that, because that dude was wild. That place was wild. I remember Roger McDowell was having beers on the phone thinking the World Series was lost in 86. And then Mookie Wilson, he was on the phone to a friend of mine, Chris Dill. They had both gone to Bowling Green and were pitched together at Bowling Green. 
He was sucking down a couple beers in the clubhouse. All of a sudden, he gets the call. You got to go out and warm up. I believe he pitched the game-winning inning in 86. Different world back then than there is now. You know, we've been talking about Deion Sanders and his team and how he ripped his team. And Deion Sanders, to me, is a real coach because he understands the ebb and flow of a game. Fans don't. Fans think you're up 29 to nothing. The game's over. A coach reads the situation. Well, he ripped his team. His best player is a kid named Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter got embarrassed in the game. The guy caught a football over his head and backpedaled in. It was the play of the weekend and maybe the play of the year in college football. But you know what? He had no problem with Deion Sanders torching his team. Here's what Travis Hunter said. Stuff like that makes you get to second guessing. Do you love this game or do you just like it? Sanders had said that. Are you in like or are you in love? It's a great point. Do you love this game or do you just like it? Do you like to play it because it's fun? And I get what he said right there, man. You've got to love this game to go out there and put your body on the line every day. I love the game. A lot of players on the team love the game. But we have to show more. That's 12 talks with Travis Hunter. Well, he's right. Look, people ask me all the time, how did you get to play at Indiana? You couldn't jump. I couldn't jump. Still the lowest vertical at Indiana. I couldn't touch the rim at six foot five. I fell in love with the game. Couldn't wait to get home to shoot around by myself. Loving the game is the most important thing you can do as an athlete. I tell players this all the time. I got dads and moms that ask me all kinds of stuff. And I go, look, does your kid love the game? Is he immersed into the game? Is this who he is? Can he not wait to play in the game? Is he the guy organizing the game? Is he the guy having the other guys over to the house to play one-on-one or two-on-two? Or does he always have to be in a gym with a trainer and the shooting gun? I mean, you can still be a good player that way, but I've never met a great player that's that way. And Deion Sanders was absolutely right talking about that. Are you in like or you in love, it's no different than a woman, or it's no different for a woman with a guy. You know almost immediately whether you could fall in love with somebody. You do. I'm sorry, you do. Maybe sports takes a little bit longer. We grew up, we really didn't play basketball. We played in an empty lot, didn't have a court. But then my parents, I begged and begged and begged them to put a basket in our little area, and the whole world changed for me. But you know in a relationship, could you fall in love with this person? Probably within the first minute of the relationship. I do. Like, I knew even before I got divorced that, man, if I did get divorced, I'm going to reach out to Lee Ross. I did. I didn't until I got divorced because I tried to make my marriage work. But I was sitting there, you know, I'm a human being. You think about, all right, where am I going to go next? I'm going to be a little slutty for a while. Yeah. That's right. When you got all this, you got to share it with people. But you know, I'm sorry. And then I met with Lee the day, actually, my divorce got final. My wife had moved out in March. My divorce got final August 24th. I said, hey, look, let's go on a date. August 24th, went on a date. I knew in two minutes I'm going to marry this woman. Now, she didn't see the same, but she wised up. But you just know, are you in like or are you in love? It's that simple. 
Damn, this show is good. Damn, we give you philosophy. Damn, we give you good stuff. Tim Brando's coming up. We're going to talk about what Jim Harbaugh said. Is a Jim, Tim Brando's been in this college football world for 7,622 years. I mean, is he the best quarterback, J.J., or is he trending that way? Is Alabama now the SEC favorite? Make no mistake, people, and I'm pointing right at you. We've told you about Alabama. We told you Alabama was back after the game down in Central Florida. We bet it. Two or three, it could be three of our 6-0 and on the house bet was Alabama because the number was too low. Vegas didn't know what this guy knew. Alabama was back. We'll see. Might take him this week as well. We'll talk about that. What's going on in the Big Ten? Why does the Big Ten stink? And the Big Ten does stink, ladies and gentlemen. The Big Ten stinks. We're going to get into all that with a legend in broadcasting, the great Tim Brando, coming up in just a few minutes. Do yourself a favor. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. Let's get it going, baby. Thanks for being here. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promos, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the OutKick network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, we throw the word legend around a lot, but just stop it. Most of the legends are in their 20s and they ain't legendary other than maybe an Instagram post that went viral. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a true legend of broadcasting, of sports, of you name it. The great Tim Brando joins us. I'm getting right into it with you because when I have guests, I want to hear them, not me. Deion Sanders, I got to ask you, halftime of the game, it's reported that his son put out an Instagram post. They're up 29 to nothing, and he's trying to sell merch at halftime. Come on, Tim. You ever seen that before? (laughs) No, no. However, I will say if there was Instagram alive in 1987 – Dion might have done it himself. <laughs> you know, I know. He was one of the greatest promoters. He was the greatest promoter. I think he and Bosworth were way ahead of the game in terms of self-promotion and turning themselves into uh, public figures beyond just being great athletes. And by the way, Bos gets a bad rap for you know what happened to him in the NFL when Bo, when Bo Jackson ran over him. He, he didn't have a horrible career. Uh, Bos... Boz, though, knew how to promote himself. And all of his old teammates, Spencer Tillman, my partner on Saturdays being one of them, you know, they swear by the guy. Dion on game day, years ago, the original game day, right after he signed the million-dollar deal with the Yankees when Steinbrenner signed him, and that was the first time it had ever happened, you might recall. You get a million-dollar bonus to sign in baseball, but because the NCAA knows it's a different sport, you could still play the college game. So we were going to do this story on him, we get, we get permission to go with an ENG camera into the driveway of his, of his mom's house 
and he has the T-tops of an old Trans Am. It looked like Burt Reynolds in the Smokey and the Bandit years, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he drives up with all the chains on, and he tapes this. He says, hey, Tim Brando, how you likes me now? <laughs> you know, so, uh, that was in 87 you talk about being ahead of the curve but you know what I love your point about Dion and what he's trying to say because as a coach he's really old school people that get caught up in Dion's bravado have no idea or no understanding of just how old school a coach he is and he's almost uh, he's got an evangelistic quality about him when he's talking about it but I think when he gets into that locker room, he's hard on those guys. And you have to survive playing for him, okay? I mean, there's a lot of substance, is what I'm trying to say, behind all the bling, you know, with Dion as a coach. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, yeah that's why I think he's going to be uber successful. I don't think this, you know, assuming he stays there, he'll have, I guess, NFL, I don't know. But when yeah. I see him, I see one of the few coaches in this country that is unafraid to be critical and, in fact, matter-of-fact critical about his own team. And you know what, Tim, and you know this better than I, the great coaches do. Saban did, Urban did. They weren't afraid to say we didn't play worth a damn. No question. You know, you, you remember, you, you've seen this happen before. Izzo, most recently in basketball, okay, dresses down his player on camera and the politically correct world we live in wants to take shots <laughs> at Izzo and run him out, cancel him. Well, the reason why Tommy can do that is because those players love him and they know that they are going to be coached hard by him. And I think the players, and you saw it from Travis Hunter uh, in the aftermath, that, hey, he wants to be coached hard. And so if you're that close to your guys and your guys trust you that much, you can say those things. And, um, and by the way, not just a guy like Sanders – but a guy like – I was listening to you earlier, Dan. You were talking about Harbaugh. And by the way, the Michigan helmet is the greatest helmet in football. All right, that's Beano Cook. I had to do it for you. <laughs> Listen, uh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh might be uncanny. He might be a bit quirky to people in the media outside Michigan. But inside Michigan and in that locker room, he's beloved. So he can – you know, he's sort of a modern-day Bo Schembechler when you think about it. I think that's his approach and what he's doing with his team. Well, let me ask you, he made the comment about J.J. McCarthy. We went through all the quarterbacks at Michigan, yeah. and, you know, I don't yeah. know if he's right or wrong, but he's not crazy. Well, he finished third in the Heisman himself, and I was on the field at the Hula Bowl, uh, where uh, Aloha Stadium, when they were playing their last game against Hawaii that year in December of 1986, and – Jim, in his own heart and soul, is still a player. You know, he comes out before the games. He's tossing the ball around. He's got the gloves on. Uh, he wants to. He wants to have his guy in the conversation because he believes that this right. should not just be a numbers game. It's almost with the Heisman. It's the best quarterback on the best team that's playing the most meaningful games at the end of the year, and he knows that the biggest games are yet ahead for Michigan. Listen, their their schedule has been awful. Georgia's schedule has been awful. They've been sleeping giants, good enough to be ranked where they are because of their brands, but they haven't played meaningful games, so they've been outside the conversation. And his numbers, they don't throw the ball as much. That's not the way Michigan is built. But, you know, these other guys are putting up pinball wizard numbers and at the quarterback position, and he wants to get him in the conversation. I, I understand it completely. And, by the way, if they do well at the end, 
you know, Michigan can be propped up. I saw it, Woodson do it, you know, in that game with Ohio State when Peyton Manning uh, was playing Vanderbilt against Woody Woodenhofer's old team. And I think only threw for 150 yards on the final weekend of the year. And Charles Woodson won the Heisman. You know, Tim, uh, speaking of Michigan, the, I, I've been watching college football is my favorite sport. I, I watch it religiously, uh, even before legalized gambling came around. It's just what I like. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think it's, but yeah. I, I got to tell you, th- this, it, I, this is going back how bad the Big Ten is. My school, Indiana, just gave up 52 in a row. They might be the worst Power 5 team right now in the country. Illinois stinks. Purdue's no good. Wisconsin isn't Wisconsin. Iowa's got a great record, but they can't get the 25. Tim, I, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, great. Michigan's got to play Penn State. But other than that, Tim, this Big Ten is back to the day. Now it's three and however many instead of two and eight. Tim, it's it's terrible to watch. Well, let me say this about it. I do think you've got programs that are still uh, in the in the midst of transition. For instance, okay, okay, give Fickle give Fickle a little more time at Wisconsin, you know, to get yeah. that offense in place. They don't have their quarterback to run the offense that Phil Longo is running or wants to run. You know, he had Drake May at North Carolina. And um, and I, they're going to throw that baby around, but they don't have the personnel for it right now. Plus, they're trying to appease a great running back still, okay, that's in that locker room. So I, I get that to a point. But when that transition ends, I think you're going to see some improvement by those teams. But the other thing, and I think this is important, uh, because you live in the area and you know what I'm talking about. The Big Ten needs to get up to speed in NIL and collectives. Okay, they have to start understanding that you've got to play that game and play it at a high level because in this world, okay, you're not just going to build it through recruiting and you're not just going to build it uh, with five-year, four-year guys that are going to be within your program. You've got to supplement your roster with those kinds of guys. If Michael Penix Jr. had stayed at Indiana, I think you'd be singing a different tune. They lost him. Now you see what he's doing over at Washington, and right now he's got to be considered the leader for the Heisman. He certainly would be the leader with my vote at this stage. But you got to be in the game, and the, the infrastructure is there, even in Indiana, okay, where it's not as big a deal, football, as it would be at other places. But even at Michigan, you know, Harbaugh's having to do a lot of this stuff on his own. And, and the people at Michigan, the infrastructure there, they need to step that up really in the Big Ten the only school that is uh, as active as they ought to be and I think is measuring up is Ohio State. And there are reasons for that. It, it matters to a lot of people there. And the Buckeyes have been recruiting and building at a higher level ever since Urban was there. So uh, Harbaugh's doing a lot of this with smoke and mirrors right now at Michigan, which is old school. But for them to sustain the success, even at Michigan, they're going to have to step up in that area. It's not just on the field. It's what's going on off the field. I want to get to more important programs in a minute, but to that point, okay, you know, and this is going to happen at, at a number of schools. So you got Tom Allen here at Indiana that the athletic department, after Michael Penix in 2020, gave this massive contract. The buyout this year is $20 million. The buyout after next year is $7 million. That's a substantial number, uh, $13 million to any university I, I honestly, God, Tim, what do you do? Like you go another year with this nonsense? I mean, I don't know what you do if you're Indiana. What do, what do programs do that get caught in this situation? Well, you have to step up, and that means step up financially. You're talking about $20 million, all right, 
over in College Station, they're trying to pony up $76 million for Jimbo to run right. him out now. Now. Okay. So, now, granted, the oil barons uh, that were able to put together that 10-year, $95 million deal, it's, it's, it's a way of life. It's a religion to them. But you can't tell me at Indiana that they can't find uh, aggressive alumni that wouldn't be saying, hey, we got to get better and we got to get better fast. Uh, Tom's a good, good defensive mind. Uh, as a head coach, he struggled. But, I mean, if you go back, it all gets back down to the Jimmies and the Joes. And that year, during the COVID season, they were able to get that disputed victory with the reach at the pylon by, by <laughs> Phoenix. They were able to get that win against Penn State. And they did some things that they had never done in the past. And this is what happens. Knee-jerk reactions by the university. Oh, my God, we better we better pony up and give our coach the money. Well, if you've got the money then, you should have the money now. So it all goes, again, yeah. it goes back down to the organizational skills from a financial standpoint of having the kind of program that you consider big. The Big Ten has more at its beck and call financially within its infrastructure than any other conference. Those schools are getting more money than any other schools in, in, the, in, in the sport, even the SEC doesn't make what the Big Ten makes. So, listen, there's no excuse. If you've got a problem and you don't address it, the problem's not the guy with the whistle around his neck. The problem's with the guy up on the hill wearing a nice suit. They got to do a better job. All right, let's talk about uh, – let's go to the SEC. You mentioned Jimbo Fisher. It's like it, it, it's like a long national nightmare for Texas A&M. But I'll tell you this. Yeah. I've been all over this. I've, I've, I've watched – I always get fascinated by great coaches and teams. Like after the game against Central Florida, I think it was Central Florida, I said, look, wait a second here. You're going to see Alabama start to play. Are they now the favorite in the SEC? I don't think so. South Florida, by the way, Georgia the team. South, it was South, South Florida, not yeah. Central Florida that they yeah. were playing. Yeah. But, but, the, um, but here's what Nick did. Here's what Nick did in that game. And I really believe this. He was having all these issues with the quarterback. He got tired of talking about it. Uh, and you're, you're an old coach, and, and you've been around um, some of the all-time greatest when it comes time to rant. And Nick said, you know what? I'm going to start my other guys, and I'm going to let uh, Jalen Milrose sit and watch this game with South Florida. And, and I'm going to put my other two guys out there. I'm going to put Buckner out there. And the, the transfer from Notre Dame couldn't get it done. That's the guy Tommy Reese you know, brought in. And, and yeah. then they struggle. They brought in the backup. So Milrow doesn't play a lick, but he's a good teammate. You know, he's out there rooting his guys on. So Nick goes back into Tuscaloosa and says, you know, Jalen Milrow's the greatest teammate. He is our starter. You know, he sat out that entire game, and he, was, he showed signs of being a true leader. He used that to convince his media that he was doing the right thing. <laughs> And not many in the media would buy that, but the people in Tuscaloosa did. And now they're building around him. And, and they have improved at the quarterback position solely really because he knows he's the guy. Now, I think they're going to run into trouble against teams where they have to score points against. And I know you love to bet, and I'm just going to tell you, they're going to have to score more points against Tennessee, and they're going to have to score more points against LSU if they want to win those two games. It all comes down to those two games for Alabama. You may be right. Dan, you may be, but we don't know. The precincts aren't reporting on Bama and just how much better they are. They squandered a lead at halftime, and Arkansas, the worst team in the West, should have pulled off a win. If a kid doesn't get hit with a turf monster on a third-down run 
he might be in the end zone and Arkansas could have done to Alabama what what we saw Stanford do to Colorado. So I don't think they're over the hump just yet. But what, what Nick did with Milrow and the backups, he knows he screwed up the portal. He should have been more active in the portal after Drake May turned him down. When they found that May was not going to leave North Carolina to come to Alabama, he just said to hell with it. We'll go back and pound the rock and win with defense. Okay, let's see. Because right now that's about what you've got. That offense is one-dimensional, and uh, they're going to have to have more than just uh, a, a pound the rock and let's win with defense mentality when they go up against uh, Tennessee this week and then they get the week off and play arguably the best offense in the SEC, maybe the country, with Jalen Daniels and LSU. You know, it's so funny. You, you mentioned LSU. Uh, my One of my best friends growing up and Brian Kelly were roommates as graduate assistants yep. at Grand Valley. And he couldn't mm-hmm. stand Brian Kelly. And he likes everybody. <laughs> he went out to Hollywood yeah. and now he's uh, – now everybody hates Brian Kelly. They lose a game. He's got a – and next thing I know, I'm oh. looking here and I see four and one and I'm talking to the legend and he's telling me, look, they might have the best <laughs> offense in the country. I mean, Amen. God dang, can we get off Brian Kelly's ass? <laughs> <laughs> Brian has been surviving hot seats for a long time, Dan Dockett. Yes. I mean, a long time. Yes. You know, I, and I love after he left Notre Dame, okay, which, let's face it, that's a hard job. It is. The, the kids you have to take in, the, the, the requirements academically being what they are, Notre Dame's a tough job. Marcus Freeman's found that out since he left. But after Brian left, they were burning him at the stake, okay? And, of course, he comes to LSU – they dropped that first game to Florida State in the Dome a year ago. They were burning him at the stake again. And then this year, <laughs> they lay an egg against Florida State. It's, you know, here we go. Uh, back to the future. He's getting burned again. But what's happened with him is he's, a, he's an organizational CEO that never doubts himself. And, and what happens, you see, is he'll always get the best players. He'll play that game. And I believe that as their defense slowly improves – and LSU's defense, which has been historically off statistically this year, they have slowly gotten better. Just as Alabama's offense has slowly gotten better, LSU's defense has slowly gotten better. So in the end, yeah, if there's a threat really to Georgia or a threat to Alabama's supremacy in the Southeastern Conference, it is in Baton Rouge. I mean, make no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, you're right. I mean, look, he has been on. Uh, well, speaking of Notre Dame, here's what I, you know, I, there are some he's, games, he's and, and he's I live the Teflon this. Man. <laughs> he he's is the Teflon man. He's the yeah. new Gotti. He's college football's yeah. John Gotti, the Teflon Don. <laughs> but I, I, you know, in coaching, you know, there are as, a, as you're building a program and you're building an identity, there are a game that just propels you and or deflates you because sometimes. You know, everybody doesn't bounce back. Sometimes you splat. And I thought Marcus Freeman, that game against SC was a huge game. Three losses this early. And then the other way, Tim, and the way they won it, that propels Freeman. People now, they can't help but believe a little bit. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Uh, As bad as the end of the game was for them against Ohio State, how great was that for him against USC? Now, I will tell Notre Dame, and I'll caution them here, because those of us that knew uh, USC's infrastructure, I had had a couple of their games. I had them against Stanford, which at that time, Stanford was totally outmatched. They were totally 
depleted in their secondary, and Troy Taylor's now come back and had that huge win against Dion's team last week. But but they, they trounced Stanford, and then I had them against Arizona State, was down to their fourth quarterback, and this kid that transferred in from an FCS school went for over 200-plus yards against them in total yards, uh, Cam Scadaboo. And uh, listen, uh, Dillingham's a 33-year-old coach. He looks like he could still play. Arizona State could have yeah. won that game that night against USC. The Trojans, from a total picture standpoint, were never anything more than a paper champion. They were offense only. They were being carried by Caleb Williams. Their defense is awful. I mean, terrible. And so they got exposed for who and what they are. But it still helps Freeman because it's the kind of game that everyone in the country is going to watch. It's the kind of game that the alumni base will rally around. And, yeah, there's. I think the greater good for the Irish will be the way they finish the season. And they've got a quarterback that can carry them. I don't think they're in the mix for the CFP. I don't think anyone with two losses can be. But I certainly think that the seeds have been sown for long-time success. And give him credit. He went out and got Hartline. Okay, imagine how good Alabama would be if Hartline had gone there in the portal as opposed to Notre Dame. Oh, you're exactly right. Sam Hartman has changed the whole deal here with, yep. with Notre yep. Dame, at least from a out, outside. All right, last thing before I let you go. Who's the favorite yep. to win this thing? Uh, I, you know, I love I love Michigan. I love Michigan. Oh, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why I love Michigan. They're playing to their own standard. Yeah, the schedule's been weak. The same could be said, said for Georgia. Schedule's been weak. How are they going to play without Brock Bowers? Do you see another playmaker out there for Georgia this year? besides the tight end that's now out for four to six weeks. I don't. I don't know where Carson Beck's going to throw the ball. I do know that the options are clear both in the run game and in the throw game for McCarthy, who is an absolute alpha male leader, which is exactly what Harbaugh wants and needs. I think Michigan is in a great position. They could get some help from Penn State if Drew Aller does what I think he can do against the Buckeyes this week. I think Penn State is that team that's on the cusp that people are sleeping on that could have their coming out party this week at the at the horseshoe. But even if it's Ohio State with one loss at the end of the year and not undefeated, I think Michigan is continuing to play at a standard, which was what Washington was doing, by the way. Washington had really not played anybody of note until they played Oregon last week. What did they do against them? They, 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 they hung in there and eventually won the game because – the quarterback can make plays, and he's got a lot in his arsenal. I think Michigan's got far more in the tank than people realize. And the reason they don't know is because their games to this point have been boring, nondescript, and uh, blowouts. But I think as the season wears on, it's those games in November, Dan. It's those games in November that we always remember. It wins Heismans, and it wins national titles. And I think Harbaugh, Mr. Khaki Pants, finally gets his. I do. Uh, you know – it used to drive me nuts as a coach that in about February or mid-January, I would get the ballot for the Wooden Award. And I'm like, oh. wait a second here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't give yeah. a rat's ass what they did in Maui. You know, I, I want to yeah. know what they did at Purdue, or I want to know what happened when Ohio State had yeah. a, you know, I mean, I don't, yeah, that's to your point. Football, same thing. Like, hey, I want to see yeah. J.J. McCarthy light up Penn State and then light up Ohio State if he's going to, you know, yeah. I mean, you see, that's yeah. what I think. I'm with you on that, that Tim. 
Absolutely. And, and we get we get too caught up in, you know, and it's partly the media's fault, Dan. We get so caught sure. up in the hype. A lot of it's the branding of the game. And by the way, Dion deserved all that love. In my mind, he deserved all that love. Now, that loss last week might cost him a bowl. I, I just You're hard-pressed now to find two more wins on that schedule, yeah. you know, the rest of the way for them. But he's already had a hell of a year. Instead of uh, just thinking about, you know, what Dion's bravado is about, I think we need to cut to the chase and understand what his success, even at this level, even if they don't win another game, what does his success mean to college football? It means there's a changing of the guard, and you better be willing to adjust and adapt to what's going on in the world around you. And I think the fact that he's done it this quickly, you know, that's really upset a lot of the old conventional coaches who were accustomed to coming out before us in press conference and saying when they got their gigs, well, fellas, we're going to need at least four or five years to get the right personnel in here. No, that blank don't fly anymore. Not in today's college football. <laughs> I remember when I, took o- when I took over. Oh, I know. Hey, I, to your point, when I took over Bowling Green, I said at the press conference, I'm going to be the first coach to tell you two things. One, the guy ahead of me did a really good job. And two, we're going to try to win from the goddamn time we tip it up. I mean, I, hey, I don't you know. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Hey, Tim, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. It was fun. Hope you'll come back. I'd be happy to, Dan. Thank you, and congratulations on all your success there at Outkick. I got no success. <laughs> I'm just in my mother's basement <laughs> talking to people. That's it, man. <laughs> Thank. That's the great Tim Brando. There are legends and there are legends. There are legends that are 20 years old that went viral. And then there are dudes that just work harder and are better than anybody else. And that's who Tim uh, Brando is. Yeah, that's right. Hey, look, Tom Allen, I'm with you. I'm with him on that. Pony up, Cuban. Let's go. We got a business school there. In fact, Cuban's partner, Mark Wagner, who's from my hometown, made more money than Cuban. He started Broadcast.com. Cuban was just a front guy for it. His mother and my mother are best friends. So Mark Wagner living in that enclave outside of Dallas, you're the guy. Cuban's chump change compared to his partner, Mark Wagner. Mark Wagner, step up. Get Alan's ass out of here. I'll get Urban to come in, and then we'll have a little bit of a party here in Indiana, and we'll quit fucking around. That's what we'll do. We'll quit fucking around here in Indiana. Tim Brandle's got me fired up. Damn right. Let's go. I'm not giving a dime. I'm going to tell you right now, I paid my scholarship back. I felt guilty. I didn't want Indiana. I don't want to owe anybody. I paid it back. I ain't giving a dime. Mark Wagner's the name. You guys don't know Mark Wagner. He was the brains behind Cubansbroadcast.com. He's from Indiana. He went to Indiana. He and Cuban got in the car. They left Motley's Bar with a $10,000 bill, and, and boom, they went to Dallas. Mark Wagner, I'm telling my mom today. My mom's 87 years old. She prays bridge with Wagner's mother. It's time for Wagner's mother and him to step the living hell up. Tim Brando got me fired up. I like when our guests get me fired up. I got to watch every other person. Think about this. Every other person gets to watch college football on a Saturday that, that loves their alma mater in the Big Ten and go, hey, we got a chance. At Indiana, we're giving up 52 straight. In fact, when Indiana scored first, I'm on a chain with a bunch of guys, and they're like, hey, what do you think? I said, I think maybe, maybe Indiana can cover the 34 now. 
They did. 52 mother blanking points later, the world went to hell, and I am sitting with my bald ass head, scratching my bald ass head. All right, stock up, stock down, stock up. Mark Wagner, give the money, Wagner, let's go. Maryville, Indiana's finest. Anyway, stock up, Stanford football. Not only did you beat, not only did you whoop ass, not only did you come back from 29 points down, but you go to Stanford, which means you're brilliant, which means, hey, guess what? Whether you play a game of football or not, you're going to have a damn great future. Indiana, they just gave us degrees. Hey, what? Hey, Buzz, Miss Kerpius, I can't do any math. I ain't got no math skills. Well, Daniel, how about you do this? What's that, Buzz? How about you get into communications? Okay, no math? No, write some papers. We'll get you a degree. Thank you, Buzz. Stanford gets real degrees. And I hate that they got rid of Coach Shaw because he was one of my favorite interviews. But, hey, you came back, you beat Dion's a big win, and then you talked a little smack, which, what the hell, I am all for it. Uh, Nick Castellanos and Bryce Harper. Hey, stock up. Bryce Harper, I did not like Bryce Harper. I like nothing about Bryce Harper. I thought he was a dirty white boy entitled all that crap. Well, I like Bryce Harper now. I like the entire Phillies experience. I think something bit me on the leg. What do I like about the Phillies experience? The fans are unbelievable. That place looks like a party. That place looks nuts. That place, everybody's wearing red or that baby blue that they used to wear, and the joint is jumping. And Nick Castillo, whatever the hell his name is, when he was with the Cubs, I begged the Cubs to keep him. He seems like a winning guy. Hit five home runs in the last week in the playoffs. Look, again, that's the anti-Indiana basketball player. Understated, shows up in big moments, doesn't quit against Miami. And same thing with Harper. Harper's trying to steal bases for crying out loud last night. He got called out. But next thing you know, the Phillies behind all these guys, including Schwarber with two home runs, they go out and beat the living crap. I mean the living crap out of the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I was happy because I bet it, but that didn't even matter. That didn't even matter. I know, I knew Nola, the pitcher, was going to throw a gem because the dude's got satchel. He's got sack. You know the Dockage family motto? Sack up. Sack up. Well, guess what? That Phillies team, not only do they sack up, they sack the living hell up. Speaking of sacking up and stock up, let's keep it down in Texas with the Astros and the Rangers. I told you this a million times. A million times. I watched the Rangers-Cubs, second baseman going like that, right fielder bobbling, center fielder and right fielder running into each other. It was a blank show, a complete and utter blank show. Well, guess what happened? I don't know. Bruce Bochy happened. Bruce Bochy got unceremoniously let go in San Francisco. If you think he left on his own, then you're dumb. He didn't unceremoniously, did more for San Francisco than anybody. They brought in this weirdo named Gabe Kapler, Mr. Vaccine. His ass has been fired. And next thing you know, the Texas Rangers are up two to nothing against the Houston Astros. I'm dying to bet the Astros tonight. I'm dying to believe in the Astros. I gotta believe. But you know what? They don't have George Springer anymore. They don't have Carlos Carrera anymore. They don't. 
Those two guys were ballers. As much as people disliked the Astros because the Astros were banging on buckets, I liked the Astros because I liked those two guys. They reminded me of my favorite big leaguer not on the Cubs. His name was Bernie Williams, center fielder for the Yankees. I love Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams was like smooth jazz, baby. I don't even know what that means, but somebody described it, and I thought it was all right. I don't like jazz. It's too weird for me. But anyway, it is what it is. Stock down. Justin Herbert. I got two words for you, Justin Herbert. My backside. That's right. If you can't hit an open receiver, I don't want to see you and your hair in any of my commercials. Take you and your hair out. And you're not popular enough because in one of the Subway commercials, Charles Barkley, who's doing the voiceover, has to say your name. If they got to say, nice job, Herbert, that means nobody knows you. Period. Nobody. So shut up. Cut your hair, get serious about your craft, and hit open receivers. Until then, I don't care. Alec Baldwin, stock down. I'm not sure he should be charged again. They're charging him again. Let me ask you a question. What idiot prop guy gives a guy a loaded gun on a movie set? If somebody gave me a loaded gun on a movie set, well, hold on. If somebody gave me a gun on a movie set... I would assume it's not loaded. Maybe he was negligent in not checking. I assume, though, that Alec Baldwin, who I don't like politically, but I love him on 30 Rock, and then I just started watching The Departed yesterday for a little bit, and he was good in that. Anyway, I digress. I like Alec Baldwin, the actor. Alec Baldwin, the father, not so much. Remember that uh, recording? Alec Baldwin, politics, yeah, I don't care for it, but I like him as an actor. He shouldn't be charged. Look. Let's be honest. Somebody hands you a gun on a movie set and it's loaded. This dude's been on 8,627 sets in his life. Eight million, maybe. No one's ever handed anybody at any time, anywhere, a loaded anything. How stupid are you, the prop guy? Charge the damn prop guy. Japan Airlines stock down, and I'm using this with a play on words. Japan Airlines carrying sumo wrestlers said, hey, Hold on a sec. We got to unsumo this thing, huh? Yeah, that's right. We got to get these sumo guys. We can't put luggage. We can't fuel is actually the real problem. We couldn't put fuel in it because fuel is, guess what, heavy. Luggage is, guess what, heavy. But the problem on Jap- Japan Airlines wasn't uh, luggage or fuel. It was sumo wrestlers. That's right, the bigots, the guys that slap the bellies, walk around in diapers. They're all rosined up. They got the white stuff all over them. You know what I'm saying? Well, guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, Japan Airlines had to get another flight. I'm not stock downing that. I like it. Hey, Sumo, you stay pretty, baby, and away we'll go. All right, we'll be right back. We got a pitcher that's being crushed for hunting with his son. You people are weird. We'll be right back. I'm fired up. Looking for the hottest sportsbook offers? At OutKick, find exclusive promotions, expert picks, and the latest odds. Get in the game at OutKick.com backslash bet. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You know, Tim Brando talked about, he talked about NIL, and there are Senate hearings going on right now, and they're focused on a number of things, one of which is the employment status of college athletes. The other, and more importantly, well, there's a couple things going on right now. Uh, is it pay for play? Like, look, I get it. I understand people lose their minds because they want 18 to 23 year olds to make as much money as they possibly can because, well, it's the sweat of the 18 to 23 year old that provides all of the revenue to schools, which is total crap. Look, serious business. If you're going to, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to pay anybody and let's just take the big tent. You should pay Johnny Orr, Bob Knight, Quinn Buckner, Scott May, Tom Abernathy, Kent Benson, and Bobby Wilkerson, Jim Cruz. You should pay those guys. Those guys actually, back in the day, made the Big Ten relevant. Those guys, because they're the last undefeated team in 1976, made the Big Ten basketball a thing to watch. Big Ten basketball didn't care about anything. Nobody really gave a rat's ass about Big Ten basketball. 1975, 1976, one loss between the two years, one after Scott May, the player of the year, hurt himself. Well, that's who should get paid, in my opinion. Bob Knight should get paid a fortune for uplifting the entire Big Ten. You can throw in Magic Johnson in there. You can throw in Judd Heathcote. But now the NCAA is trying to talk about student employment and players and mommies and daddies are saying, oh, those sweats on our back. Let me explain something to you. Not one person playing college football right now, right now, had anything to do with the television contracts being signed with the Big Ten Network, with CBS, NBC, ABC, CBS, I said CBS, Peacock, Fox, FS1, ESPN2, name it. Not one player playing right now had anything to do with any sponsorship of any program in the Power Five. None. And if they did, it was a minor local sponsorship. So don't try this crap with me. Here's the deal. NIL has become pay for play. The collectives that Tim talked about have become enticement units. Recruiting is not necessarily done by the coach. It's done by the collective. And the new president of the NCAA just smacked the living hell out of some people today, or yesterday, excuse me, that tried to say it otherwise. He's like, well, you guys are not very, very well informed. The guy's name is Baker. Now, there are some problems with Mr. Baker. Mr. Baker has not figured out how to handle, and he should figure out how to handle, the entire dudes acting like chicks, living in chicks' locker rooms, and we'll talk to Riley Gaines about that tomorrow. All right? Huh. He was actually asked, Baker was, Charlie Baker. This is from Riley. Senator Hawley asked NCAA president the questions that deserve to be answered. NCAA president Charlie Baker claims he doesn't defend the mistreatment of female swimmers at the 2022 NCAA championships and would opt to change locker room policies moving forward. Really? 
good for you. Uh, there is a pitcher to show you how whacked out this world is. There's a major league pitcher. His name is Eric Swanson. I don't know if you saw this story, but he had to defend his action, all right, of hunting. Hunting. Eric Swanson and his kid went hunting. And they showed a picture where the two of them are in front of a handful of geese that they shot. And people are mad about it. I go back to Candace Owens. You're mad? There's two things. Get a helmet. You're offended? Life's tough. Get a helmet. I also go back to a line I used to use with my wife. And it's one of the reasons I'm divorced. You're mad? All right. Uh, I'll go over here, you go over there, you be mad, and let me know when you're not mad anymore. Uh, For the people who are asking me why I have my son with me, I'm teaching him a very important life lesson. The beef, venison, poultry, fish, fruits, vegetables all come from somewhere, not just a grocery store. Remember that it had to come from somewhere. Know what you are eating. How do you even have to explain to anybody at any time, anywhere, why you took your son hunting. Who gives a rat's ass whether or not the whatever people, PETA, whomever, are mad at you? Good, as I said. Huh, you're mad? Do yourself a favor. Go over there and be mad. I am an avid hunter, fisherman, and I will always be. For the people who are asking me why I have my son with me, I'm teaching him a very important lesson. Why Oh, why, oh, why should anybody, anybody have to defend hunting? There are a number of geese. There were 17 dead endangered stingrays. No, I'm sorry. They weren't 17 endangered stingrays. They were geese. I'd like for him to come over in my backyard and shoot the living hell out of every goose that's around here. A few years ago, I wish we had somebody that would have off the frickin' crazy-ass hawk that sent me to the doctor by cutting my head. I got hit three times by the hawk. Let me explain something to you. I got all these geese. Apparently, it's legal to shoot them on my lake. I ain't doing it, but I wouldn't mind if somebody did. Give us 17 less geese flying around my pond or my lake here, and there would be less noise, less poop, and I'd be a happier dude. And do yourself a favor. Go have a little duck all orange also. Go get a little goose meat for dinner. Yeah. And if anybody wants to kill a buck and give us some steaks and some venison, I'll pay because I like the stuff. That's right. Kiss my backside, you people that are whining on all of this stuff. Speaking of kiss my backside, there's a broadcaster named Michael Harnkin, H-A-R. K-A-N-N. He tells the New York Jets how he really feels about their head coach, Robert Sala. He informed the audience that he can't stand him during the post-game show after the Jets upset the Eagles. Who cares? Oh, wow. I mean, that's life-changing. Some Eagles play-by-play guy can't stand the Jets coach. I'm sure this keeps the Jets and the Jets coach, Robert Sala, up at night, that's some freaking pizza-stained, no-good freaking announcer doesn't like him. It's like here in Indy, my friend Mark Boyle, everybody cares about Mark Boyle's opinion on everything. I'm like, he's an announcer. I don't care about his opinion on nothing. And he's a friend. Come on. 
It's only us people, me, in the trenches, I'm kidding, that whose opinion matters on anything. If you're not a political insider, I don't want to hear from you. And now that I'm a political insider, I got all the answers to everything, damn it. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, ooh, Patriots vibe at an all-time low. A Raiders staffer. Now, the Raiders got all the answers because they won a game. Patriots vibe at an all-time low. Raiders staffer points out concerningly different vibe with the Patriots. It's a very different locker room, they're saying. Really? They're getting their ass beat. What do you think it's going to be, dipstick? You know, they're one in five. There's going to be a little bit of a different vibe when you're one in five than when you're five and one. And some staffer who shall not be named. Oh, my God. Ucha Capesta, my eyes are burning. We got to worry about a staffer. Not a staffer. Everyone used to know what the standard was and how to meet it. Everyone just used to know how to act. It wasn't something that anyone had to go out of their way to tell us, whether it was personnel, people, coaches, players. Everybody understood what it took. And now there aren't that many of those guys anymore. Only seven Patriots from the squad that won the Super Bowl in 18 remain on the roster. The Raiders staffer called them torchbearers. That's right. Called them torchbearers. Look, I don't care. At the end of the day, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. Belichick, I'm telling you this because I believe this. Belichick is going to say, well, you know what? Uh, I'm out. I'm done. I am. I'm out. I'm done. Sayonara, laka notes, arrivederci, avida saying, hasta la vista, baby, goodbye. And you know what? He's going to be escorted out by his damn boss. He's going to be escorted out. Yeah, I'm telling you. Patriot insider Phil Perry, I talked to a Raider employee yesterday about what's going on. This is a Raider employee who used to be here in Foxborough. Only set the, the staffer called them torchbearers. There are only a few of those torchbearers left in the Patriots locker room. They're looking to pass that thing on, and they're not sure who's there. Who wants the torch? You know, we got a great show here. Uh, it's called, what is it, The Five? It's with Donovan McNabb and Armando Salgura. We do. It's a great show. Outkick Network continues to grow. Well, Donovan McNabb has a little clip of an interview with Andy Reid. Let's play the clip. So, I mean, I have to ask the question, which is annoying to me, but have you become a Swifty? <laughs> you know what? Uh, like you, I mean, I knew her from Philadelphia, you know, I yeah. think. I, her dad was a big NFL fan, so... I had met her when she was real young and, and, uh, and her dad. And so, you know, I joked about setting Kelsey up, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying, you know, you <laughs> see, that's, that's something people don't know that, you know, her dad, because yeah, right. sitting in the box, she looks confused of what's going on, but she cheers with the rest of, uh, of all yeah. the family members. Yeah. She's a good girl, man. She's, she's into it. And that's, uh, we're glad she's here. Yeah, you know, Swifties, you got to like Andy Reid. Andy Reid is at a point in his life where he just don't care. Now, I hope Andy Reid doesn't go way of Dicka. 
Ditka was a great coach until he became a celebrity. Andy Reid seems to be balancing those two pretty good. I like Andy Reid. And check out Donovan McNabb and Armando. It's a pretty good show, really good show. Dak Prescott had a great line. They asked him about the tush push. They tried the tush push. You know that quarterback sneak? Quit rubbing your booty on the ground, dog. What the hell's going on around here? Anyway, the tush push didn't work for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Dak Prescott wants his tush push more, according to Ryan. They didn't push my tush enough. Push, push, and the tush. A great song back in the day. Hey, you guys behind, behind Dak Prescott, he likes it rough. Give it to him, baby. You know that song by, it's a great disc track. <laughs> by Ice Cube called No Vaseline. Just saying. I, I, look, I'm just saying. Hey, here's rooting against forever the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Oklahoma City Thunder just took Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter is no longer with the Houston Rockets because he's an idiot. Now, Kevin Porter is considered a wife beater, girlfriend beater, whatever. Now, there are some conflicting reports because the woman that Kevin Porter, Kevin Porter Jr., beat, allegedly, is saying he didn't hit me with a closed fist. And then one of the charges were dropped because he didn't break her skull. But the Oklahoma State Thunder are such dirtbags that they felt the need to trade for this cretin. They felt the need to trade for this wife abuser at the minimum, the wife beater at the maximum. But the Oklahoma City Thunder can kiss my backside. They sent two second-round picks. Uh, wait a second. The Houston Rockets traded Kevin Porter and two second-round picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they will waive Porter immediately, so good for them. Kevin Porter should never, unless he's completely proven innocent, like, I just don't believe – I got to believe there's a zillion players that can play NBA basketball. You know, unlike football, there are players from Europe. There are players from every country around. I mean, for the love of God, look around, and you can't find somebody as good as Kevin Porter Jr.? Kevin Porter Jr. has been a pain in the backside since he was before college. He's one of these entitled little guys. Hey, thoughts and prayers to our friend Shane Beamer, the head coach – of the Gamecocks of USC. Shane Beamer got beat by Florida, and Shane Beamer kicked something that he shouldn't, and he realizes he broke his foot. Here's what you learn as you get older. I learned this when I was young when I saw a friend of mine, Daryl Collins, punch the church. He did. He got mad, and he punched St. Peter and Paul Church. There was a brick church, and it had a little wooden thing, and he punched, and he broke his hand. I think he broke his hand. I don't know what he did, but I know he was screaming in pain, and I learned, hey, I'm not doing that. So I would throw things. I would punch a clipboard. Nobody broke more clipboards than me. I can promise you that. But you don't go kicking things. About six months ago, I was walking in my house, and I literally caught my little toe on the edge of something, and I broke the crap out of it. I mean, it hurts so bad. To this day, it still hurts. It's like pulling a groin. If you ever pulled your groin back in the day, and I don't mean the fun kind of pulling on your groin. I mean pulling your groin. You know and I know that bad boy, whoo, that stays with you a lifetime. I mean a lifetime. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what a great show. Absolutely fantastic. I got a woke dope here. 
let me see some wokey and let me see some dopey. I don't know. Did I miss what the hell Wednesday? Maybe I did. We had a lot of stuff going on today. There he is. There he is. Did you see this the other day? This monster of gunk, this John Fetterman, this guy says on a talk show, I don't know which one because I don't pay attention. I don't know. I don't even know who's on him anymore. He said, America, let me let you in on a secret. We are not sending our best and our brightest to Washington. This guy actually said that. No, not the guy on the left who's dumber than dumb. The guy on the right who dresses like Eminem gone fat, sitting in Congress, and he's lecturing us on not being the breast of the right. What Half the time, this stuff just writes itself. Yes, it does, Ryan. We got the one idiot who pulled the fire alarm and tried to tell us, hey, man, I thought it was the door. Huh? You thought what? Uh, we used to have a saying when I was growing up, swat. It was a combination of say what? Swat. And then we got Fetterman. And then, of course, we got the imbecile in chief. Stuff writes itself. Next! <laughs> oh, man. Wouldn't you love to interview that crazy-ass, wide-eyed, triggered woman who is the poster child? for being triggered by Donald Trump and all things non-liberal? Wouldn't you just love to? Wouldn't you just love to sit there and go, man, hey, crazy, what's on your mind? What do you think of Donald Trump? Ah! What do you think of closed borders? Ah! (laughs) I think it'd be awesome just to have a smoke, a chat, Maybe, I don't know. She got to be on something. There's got to be like, you know, she's on 20 different kinds of Adderalls or antidepressant Lexapros, uh, all that stuff that made Eli Lilly a fortune, probably the coca plant. I mean, crazy fun to be crazy. And that lady be crazy. Next! Oh, there's only two? That's cool. All right. Hey, look. A couple of things before I let you go. I will. You guys are asking me. Now you're asking me too fast. You're asking me to come up with a house bet like every day. Here's what I did yesterday. I'm probably going to do it today, but I got to figure it out. Yesterday, I'm going to give you a gambling tip here. I really believe that Nola of the Phillies was going to pitch well. I did a little look. He's a big game pitcher, not afraid. But the juice was like 70 uh, minus 165. You know, you're paying 65% uh, percent juice. You're paying $165 to win $100. That's no good. Who wants to do that? So Liberty was a 14-point favorite. So I took Liberty on the money line just to lower the juice. I know I wasn't going to get plus money, but the juice went from like 165 to minus 115 I saved myself $50 on the bet. Liberty was in a struggle. Liberty kept going down. They had the Swiss cheese defense going down. They were a horse bleep. But I got to tell you, they ended up winning, and it ended up being an easy night, which, ladies and gentlemen, you don't often have. I got to believe tonight, don't I? I got to believe tonight, because Scherzer's going for Texas, I feel like this never works out. 
And you guys may have the statistics where to show me that it works out. But I feel like it never works out for the Wiley veteran being injured all year to come into the playoffs and pitch well against a wounded team. So I'm going to take plus money on the Houston Astros tonight. I'm not going to bet a lot, but I can get plus 110 standing on my head. I don't need a team. I don't need one of these weird Wednesday college football games, Sam Houston against FIU. I'm going to take Houston. I'm going to take the Astros. Why? Because I believe in culture. I believe that you just don't get swept if you're as successful, including being the defending World Series champs like the Houston Astros. I would have bought into it the other day, and I would have lost. So don't take my advice here. I literally was sitting there after getting my brains beat out in pickleball, having a great sandwich at the Fort Bend Pub. Fort Benjamin Harrison is by my house. Lee and I had never really gone over there. It's great. It is. So we went in there, met an interesting dude. We talked basketball. I got engrossed in the conversation while I was having a beer and a sando, and I missed the start of the Astros game. I would have bet the Astros. I would have bet too much money on the Astros because I believe in culture. I do. So I'm going to take them tonight. In fact, I just bet them while we were sitting here. I bet 100 bucks at, at 110 so I'll make a little money. I'll double my bet plus if, in fact, it hits. I am going to bet culture. Hey, Gritty, I am not going to be at Indiana uh, this weekend tailgating, but I am going to be there. Friday at Nick's having lunch with my daughter. I think it's Nick's. She's in town on business. She works for Solution Tree. Jeff Jones, our friend, is the owner. And she needs, actually, she's trying to con me. She wants a ride back to Bloomington, so she invited, or back to Indy. So she invited me for lunch today. Hey, look, I don't blame her. I'm easily con. I'm going to drive down. We're going to have a nice lunch, drive back, have a nice chat, and then get on with our weekend. So I will not be in Bloomington for the weekend. A lot of people are saying, Dan, I look past Schwarber playing for IU in the Phillies. He will always be a Cub. That comes from a guy named Ryan Babbitt, who is a dorky Purdue guy. Thanks to everybody. Ryan, awesome. Dylan, fantastic. Nick one, Nick two, Katie, Haley, and all of the beautiful people, including Beth the Booker, who got this done. Aaron, thank you so much for all the support. Gary, same to you as well. We will be back at it tomorrow. I think we got an interesting show for you tomorrow. Riley's going to join us. Anthony Gargano, who I think just got blank hand in Philadelphia, is going to break down the Phillies and a lot more. Have a wonderful afternoon. I got a big money golf match, probably the last of the year, coming up at 1220. That's right. See you.